0: I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is The Stories We Tell. What's up, guys? It's your host, Jamie Messina, and like always, we have a great episode ahead of us. I get to interview Alaska from Tiny House Concierge, which is always something that I've been interested in, right, tiny tiny homes and tiny living. <laughs> not because I'm tiny, well, I am tiny, but that's not why. Anyways, uh, before we get into that, just a reminder, if you are interested in switching the story that's playing in your head if you are playing a story over and over that is one that's disempowering one that's holding you back from the things that you want in life check the description the show notes of this episode i have a free guide um, to get you started on the process of Flipping that script, okay? So check it out. It's a workbook. It's short, but it's the opening. It's opening the door or taking that first step in flipping the script that's in your head. And also, if you find value in today's episode or any of the episodes that we have, please consider leaving us a five-star review. That's how more people are going to get their hands and be able to hear this content. Um, and if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please go ahead and do that. And now we get to interview Alaska from. Tiny House Concierge. All right, guys. I have with me Alaska Wagoneer from the Tiny House Concierge. And here's the deal. I'm just going to tell you the reason. Um, when I was asking, you know, I, I kind of asked people to raise their hand and say, you know, if they wanted to nominate someone or if they themselves wanted to be interviewed. And I kind of vetted a little, you know, I wanted to hear what their story was about. And even before you shared your story, I'm like tiny house, yes, come on. Because I'm like obsessed with anything like that. Um, are you in a tiny house right
1: now? I am in a tiny house, yes. I know the others can't see it, but this is this is my tiny
0: house. It doesn't look tiny. You know, I'm tiny, so I feel like maybe a tiny house would be just like a normal house for me. Yeah, I'm I'm five <laughs> feet tall, so I do I do just fine in here. Yeah, I'm five two on a good day. So <laughs> um, all right, so let's get let's get talking. Um, when I, when you did share your story, which by the way, I had already accepted because I wanted to talk about tiny houses, but you told me a lot of things, just like different stories or, or challenges that you faced over the past couple years, um, past three years. And, and the first sentence you said to me was three years ago, I quit my life. So what does that mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, it, It had always been my intention to spend my life living, you know, I get we get one shot on this planet, you know, and as our current selves. And I, I wanted to make the most of that opportunity to spend my life living. Right. And, you know, by the time I was 30, I was finding myself in a situation where just nothing about my life was working. Nothing felt alive. Nothing felt on fire. Nothing felt like it was progressing. And it was completely unsustainable, you know, my, it was financially not sustainable. It was emotionally not sustainable, It was ecologically not sustainable. It just, in every sense of the word, it was not a sustainable life and I wasn't having a good time. And, you know, and I, I, you know, it started kind of crumbling a little bit, but at the end of the day, I kind of just walked away. And I think, um. You know, a lot of people have that fantasy of just like standing up and walking out of the office, just quitting their life. Um, And I I actually did. And I I don't think that I would recommend that to people necessarily. I don't think that's always the answer. But in my particular case, there were just so many things that weren't working. Um, And I was privileged enough to have the opportunity to be able to just, you know, like do that, um, that I kind of did. So... I ended up uh, leaving my marriage. I quit my job. I walked away from my new real estate business. I put my stuff in storage. I left California. I moved to Alaska. Um, I kind of transitioned my sexual orientation. I, you know, ultimately I rebuilt a life in a tiny house and, and the tiny house has taught me pretty much everything I know now about, yeah, how to live a sustainable life and, and how to live, you know, that life that you envisioned. The tiny house has given me the structure to do that. Um, and I'm just having a really, good time now.
0: The I kind of, I like that. Let's go back to that. So the tiny house, which, um, is basically what attracted me to you anyway, is you said moving to a tiny house, first of all, that's a lot of things, um, ended your straight marriage, quit your job, walked away from a new business, moved to Alaska. What yeah. made you choose Alaska?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I grew up there and, and my, my mother, my childhood home was there. So okay. it was a place to physically go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause at that point, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a partner. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a career path. I, I literally the first day after I ended my marriage, I just went from Starbucks to Starbucks to Starbucks. Cause I didn't mm. physically know where to put my body
0: uh, and, yeah. That's tough.
1: <laughs> and I remember being in, you know, I was standing in the parking lot at and I was trying to figure out like where to physically put my body next. And a car started backing up and I realized I couldn't even physically occupy the 1 square foot of space that like my feet were taking up. Like I couldn't even be there. And yeah, it's it's been kind of a kind of a road to figure out you know like you quit and it's like yeah and then you're like oh my god
0: no way.
1: <laughs> what have I done and and now what and and that process took a few years to figure out it wasn't like i I definitely done a lot of research before I quit my life so I wasn't you know just quitting with no plan I I had done a lot of research beforehand but I hadn't you know the pieces hadn't manifested yet and mm-hmm. I had no idea that it was going to be a tiny house that kind of pulled it all together.
0: Can you go more into that? So what about the tiny house or the tiny house living helped you to kind of, you know, pull it all together?
1: Yeah. Um, so, okay. The best way to tell you this is, is to tell you a story about a fan. And I know this sounds really bizarre, but I love stories, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, one thing that I struggled with a lot in my, in my life before was like the time money conundrum. And you talk about like the stories that we tell ourselves, right. And the story that I was telling myself was that if I, if I pursue the life that I want, you know, and that was to me being a writer and adventuring and things, you know, I'll never have money. If I have the time, I won't have the money. And if I have the money, I won't have the time,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, and I clung to that really 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 hard. And so and I'll I'll skip, you know, the the research and what happened in the middle, but cut to a tiny house. Um I bought my house furnished and I found a window fan in the closet. I pulled it out and it was so dirty and so hmm. disgusting. It was the kind of thing that you're like, "Please forgive me" and you throw in the garbage, right? Cuz I don't know how to take a fan apart, whatever. I set it outside to take it out to the trash. And I have this moment where for the first time in my life, I realized that I actually do have the time and the emotional bandwidth to deal with this fan. Like I no longer feel like I'm drowning. Uh, I no longer feel you know, like somebody else owns my time. Like I've, I've simplified my life enough that I, I actually have the bandwidth to do this. So I get on YouTube, takes me 26 seconds to take apart the fan. It was literally one screw. Uh, I spent an hour and a half cleaning it. And then I Google it. And it turns out that it was a $50 fan. Ooh. And I have this Yeah, it was like a swanky situation. I I have this moment where I'm like, you know, I gained a skill. And that's $50 I don't have to spend at work. Mm. So now I have even more emotional bandwidth to tackle the next project, which could be bigger and more expensive. And all of a sudden, I'm finding myself... Instead of stuck in a cycle where my life is getting bigger and more complicated and more chaotic, my life is getting simpler and cheaper and more enjoyable. Mm. While I'm getting skill sets and creating less of a carbon footprint, and that goes against the entire story that I told myself before, you know, where if I don't have the time, or if I have the time, I'm not gonna have the money. If I have money, I'm not gonna have the time, and you know, and otherwise, like if it's if it's healthy, it's always more expensive. (laughs) <laughs> or if it's cheap. It's always bad for the planet, you know, like, so the tiny house has kind of just helped create barriers where there weren't barriers before. And, and kind of made me question, you know, the, the way that I do things and, and look for new opportunities to live in ways that serve each other.
0: Yeah, dude, that's a pretty amazing story. Um, I, I, when you describe the fan, I know I have when I moved, I had quite a few of those, especially if you put them in the window, you know, they sucks all the dust out and then it gets stuck in there. Um, but there are so many people that believe that if they have the time, they don't have the money. If they have the money, they won't have the time. Like that. I feel like it's kind of ingrained, at least in the U S that's kind of what we learn, right? Like you got to work hard for long hours and work harder if you're going to make money and to unlearn that is really takes time or something to wake you up. But that's kind of why I invite people on here as well is because that's how I felt and what I was doing for a really long time, just grinding, 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 which I ultimately feel was actually kind of inhibiting any success because the energy that I had was tired, stressed. I have to do this. And like, that's not going to bring good energy when that's the energy I'm putting out. Right. So like, that's pretty incredible. Um, that. <laughs> so what, what next, what was the next big
1: project? Uh, af- after I quit my life. Yes. <laughs> so, so after I quit my life, I was, I was in Alaska and I was entertaining all kinds of options. You know, I was one day I would be like, I'm going to move to Seattle and be a person who joins a swanky gym and has a corporate job. And then the next day I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to be a lesbian and move to Japan and teach skiing. Like I, I was all over the map at that point. Yeah. And <laughs> And, uh, around that time, I, so my sister had been really sick. She had had complicated autoimmune issues and, and I knew she was sick, but I didn't know how sick until my mom called me and was like, you know, your sister and I are going to move. They were in California. They were going to move to Kansas, um, to pursue a treatment option for her. And I came to help with the move. And I realized that, um you know, my sister was my, my take, she was probably not going to make it, you know, as Mm -hmm. me looking at her, I was like, this is, this looks like this could be it. So I ended up moving in with my mom and my sister, uh, to be her caretaker for a year. Um, and during that time, you know, it was like, I'm unemployed. I'm living with my mom's in my mom's like you know, downstairs basement area and my sister's dying in the upstairs bedroom. And that's when I choose to come out of the closet to my family. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks after that, a pandemic hits and Mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, and we're going on like almost two years now since I've left my marriage and I'm just, just swimming, just really, really swimming and really wanting, wanting to buy a house. That's, that was the piece that stuck when I did all of my research before I quit my life. I, I realized that housing was my biggest expense. So that was my biggest leverage point to become financially secure and to, to live life on my terms. So I, I was obsessed with this idea of buying a house and I, I couldn't seem to do it. Every, every offer I made, every house I found, like the deal just fell apart. Um, And then I found a tiny house.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> had you ever thought about them before? Like thought about a tiny house?
1: I, you know, I had, I had, so when I was in my like research phase, I, I explored all kinds of alternative living. So I looked into everything from, you know, living overseas, but earning money in American currency to living in a van to, you know, seasonal work opportunities that paid for your housing. I I kind of explored it all. And I thought the tiny house was a really cool idea, um, but there wasn't any particular trigger that was like, "This is the move for you." Uh, my my actual original intention was to buy rental properties mm. and use the income from the rental properties to be able to, you know, write an adventure and and live my life um, while still having a retirement plan.
0: Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I feel like it's one of those things where the universe just kind of lined it up for you.
1: Yeah. The universe was definitely involved. Like there is no way I tried. So every single day I would go out and knock on doors and just be like, do you want to sell me your house? Like really? people don't think you can't do that. You can do that. And I did it every single day that I lived in Kansas. Mm-hmm. I went out and I was like, do you want to sell a house? Do you want to sell your house? Do you know anybody who wants to sell a house? And
0: yeah, I, It was just not it's meant definitely for me. hard work, especially um, at that point, the market is insane. And people are because I, I, I did something similar when I first moved to St. Pete and worked for a real estate investor. And that was my job was to find properties for sale or convince people to sell their properties. And that for me was like the worst feeling <laughs> in the world. You know, it was like very stressful. Um, all right. So let's talk about the story that you told yourself. So, did you know when you decided to end your marriage that you were actually gay? I,
1: I knew, sort of. <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't. I want to say that I didn't have a bad marriage. I, mm-hmm. I had a great marriage. I learned a lot from it. It was good while it lasted. Uh, we, we were good for each other for that period of our life. Um, it wasn't like this, you know, I say, I say quit, but it wasn't like this terrible, horrible thing. You know what I mean? It it was, it was peaceful, but after almost 10 years together, it was, it was time. And it didn't, it didn't end because I was gay, but it, that was definitely a factor. Um, I remember being, you know, being in my marriage and I, and I told myself at the time that I was bisexual and, you know, bisexuality is hundred percent a thing, but in my case, I'm not sure that was true. I think that mm-hmm. was the word that would allow me to stay in a marriage to my best friend.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I, I was happy and I just figured if I was gay, I would be miserable. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's not how it looked, um, or that's not how it felt but it, there was a loneliness there that was not going away. And I remember having this thought in my marriage, like, you know, if I never kiss another woman, like what, what is that going to be like? And I was just devastated. Like that thought just crushed me. And then I remember, you know, fast forward in time, I had my first girlfriend and I'm like, what if I never kiss another man again? And I immediately was just like, well, The heck with that, you know, like, (laughs) I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. We're we're not ever going to lose a moment of sleep about that. And it's like, well, (laughs) that's pretty gay. So, (laughs) yeah. So you figured it out. You weren't by. No, I, you know, I, I have deep affection for men Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with that. You know, I I think men are comforting. I enjoy sharing space with them. I, I don't find them repulsive. Right. Um, you know, I, I love men very fiercely. Is that
0: romantic though? You know what? I actually have this question all the time. It's because I find men attractive as, as in addition to all of the things that you just mentioned. And I often ask myself, is, am I attracted to them or is it because I want their style or, and I really don't even necessarily know if I know that answer. So lately I'm like, well, maybe I am pan, even though I just strictly have dated women. Um, But just, leaving that open. Cause I don't think I necessarily have a direct answer because I I did when I thought that men felt a certain way about me. When I had that story that I told myself that guys are just, you know, they, they hate me. They, I can't do it. But when I moved to St. Pete, cause that lasted for a while. And that was like some internal just, homophobia, I guess that was going on. But especially when I came to St. Pete, that the men I met here are amazing. They're like, I love them, you know? And like, um, so sometimes I'm like, oh, I I love you as my friend. And other times I'm like, man, you're, you're attractive. Like, but I do think it's a little different, (laughs) you know, but sometimes I do go back and forth. Like, what is that?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that I don't think anybody is just a strict label, like a strict, y'all end all, you know, lesbian or like you know I don't know I just think that there's so much variation that it you know I think labels are helpful to give maybe a general direction mm-hmm. but I think they're almost never like
0: a like a be-all end-all yeah agree you so I have I have a little question for not a little question it's actually a big question so a lot of what we deal with when we make big life changes or or anything even like that the majority doesn't wouldn't necessarily agree with like if my if, if you go to your best friend and you're like, Hey, I'm thinking I'm going to quit my job, leave my, leave my spouse. Um, end this business. I just started and move to Alaska. Your friends are probably like, what the fuck? No. Like, what are you doing? Take a deep breath. So I'm sure you had some kind of like people offering their opinions, even though you probably didn't want them. Uh, what happened like with the people you surrounded yourself with when, when that went down?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I got kind of lucky in that, first of all, I have a very, very, very small family. Mm. Um, second of all, they were mostly, you know, concerned with my sister and wrapped up with that, and mm. so family-wise, I think they were just kind of like, it, it kind of happened so fast, and they didn't know they were otherwise involved, so I really didn't get the, the feedback from my family that maybe one would expect. And by the time it kind of all shook out, they could see that it had shaken out for the best. So, mm. fortunately, you know, for my for my family, it went pretty smoothly. Um, I think they're really caught off guard mm. that I'm dating women now. I think I think that I was with my husband for so long that they're kind of like, mm-hmm. wait. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it like doesn't compute. I think they'll have to actually like you know, meet somebody that I'm dating and do the whole Thanksgiving thing. And that that just hasn't happened yet um, with the pandemic and whatnot. So I think that will help it sink in a little bit more. Um, My friends. So my friends that I had, I was living in California and the friends that I had that were closest to me were um, really tightly a part of my husband's circle. Mm. And so kind of when I left that I kind of left that whole group and you know hurts a little it it hurt it hurt but it it was the right thing to do um it was something it was a situation that I needed to get away from and you know so I guess the I don't mean this uncaringly but I it doesn't matter to me Mm -hmm. what I'm sure they have thoughts. I've never heard them. <laughs> that's probably that's definitely a good thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, So let me ask you this. I'm sure there are because I, I I spoke to a, a guy a couple of days ago too on a on a podcast as well, and he said the similar thing. Just he was at a point in his life where he just knew he wasn't happy. I think that a lot of these stories, when I ask people and they come on here, like we all hit this point where we just realize, like, is this all that life has? Like, am I doing what I'm meant to do? Does this really fulfill me? And like, what do I do about it if not? So it could like, do you have any advice? So if somebody is hearing this and they're like, man, I feel exactly like you felt Um, and, but upheaving their entire life the way that you did, which is very extreme, I will say, um, is not feasible what kind of advice would you give them to be like the first step to maybe shift or change something within them?
1: Yeah, great question. The first thing that I would tell people to do is get really, really clear on what you value. I think largely people have, and I know I had this at, you know, back back in the day, I I knew things that I liked, um, but I didn't have a really strong this is what my life is about. And so getting really, really clear on that is, is imperative. So my, my tiny house life is built on health, writing, and adventure. And adventure means skiing. (laughs) So everything else has pretty much fallen away. I like to kayak, not as much as I like to ski. You know, I like to uh, read, not as much as I like to write. I like to, you know, you know, so all these things that I sort of liked a little bit or casual hobbies, I like to craft that's gone away, you know, and what is in its place is a much more saturated life. So the things that I'm surrounded with, the things that I'm doing every day are things that I love and the BS and the white noise and all the stuff that kind of crops up those channels is gone. And or, or is is drastically reduced. And, and a tiny house really helps facilitate that because I literally can't fit. I mean, I could fit a kayak if I valued that, right? but I don't, I value health, which is why I have a sauna in the bathroom. People think Ooh. in 267 square feet, you can't have that. You can have that if that's what you value. So I would encourage people to start with getting really clear on what the mm-hmm. themes of their life are and what they value. And after that, I would say, look at how you're spending your time, your money, and your energy and make sure all three of those things are in alignment with the things you named as your values.
0: That is so powerful in so many different ways Um, when you were just talking about that. So I don't know if you know about me, like in addition to coaching and doing this and all, um, I'm part of a network marketing company. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. people will come to me and they'll want to build a life. They'll want to build a business. And... um, But at the same time, and they'll tell me what the things that they want. And in the same breath, they won't actually take the actions to make those things happen. And it's because priorities slash values aren't aligning. So um, having that conversation of like, okay, you say that you want this, but you're not willing to do this. Um, And if you truly did want this, then you would do anything to make it happen. Like, put a sauna in your house. So that's super important to you. For example, for me, okay, I have a, a tiny apartment. <laughs> it's tiny. Um, and in my, I value a, uh, you know um jumping up and down on this mini trampoline because right. that i know what that does for my brain um i use it in a man, manifestation practice that i learned from joseph mcclendon the third and so in my kitchen which i'm sure most people wouldn't want a mini trampoline in their kitchen but i don't my kitchen attached to my living room and that's all i have so it's there i don't have a kitchen table but i have a trampoline you know because yeah. I can eat at the counter or I could go downstairs or there's other places for me to eat. Um, So like, that's the priority. You know, most people like my mom wouldn't have this. (laughs) The trampoline isn't a priority for her. And like, so when people really want something in their values, they must align their actions with that or change re can like reconvene with yourself or look at, is this truly a value of mine? Like it really is. And, and I see that a lot in um, network marketing and building a business because, um, you know, somebody will want to build a, I want to build a six figure business a month. But then I repeatedly say, Hey, where were you on the team call last night? I I trained on this. And, oh, well, I was tired. And I'm like, okay, awesome. You're not going right. to make a six figure business right. a month. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. How you're spending your energy is not in alignment with your goal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that really is just like such a thing. Also sauna is, I made a vision board, um, before I moved here to Florida, I made a vision board and I had forgotten about it. And one of the things on it was a sauna. And, um, I realized once I moved into this building, when I pulled back up that vision board, that really the building I moved into, like when I, when I made the vision board, it was more towards what I want in my own house um, that I own. But when I looked around, I realized everything that I put on that board is in this building. I have a sauna. I, you know, there's a jacuzzi, there's a gym here. We have like high vibes and, um, my, my view and even the the floors and the way that it's just simple in the house. Um, I'm like, man, okay. vision board. I see you, <laughs> you know, like how cool is that? How yeah. cool is that? That
1: it works that well. I feel like, you know, there are so many people, you know, if you're listening to this, like you, you doubt that it works. Like, I dare people to go try it. I dare, I dare people because it, yeah, manifestation, visualization is, is so incredibly powerful. I don't do vision boards, but I do, um, I write articles about myself as though they've already happened. Yes. Um, powerful. I, I will write, you know, letters to myself or to the universe. Like this is the direction we're going. And, you know, I wrote one, um, know kind of before i before i quit my life i wrote what i wanted it to be and i remember looking at that list and being like wow this is going to cost 30 million dollars to achieve this bucket list
0: Mm.
1: and now like not even close yeah not even close and i've done about 90 percent of it
0: and i'm just like oh you'd be surprised how the universe when you do that steps up and provides you those opportunities at, in different ways that don't even really cost money at times, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we're so used to, you know, in, in corporate consumer America, we're like, everything is for sale. We must buy everything. And, you know, sometimes it's just meeting people, you know, sometimes, sometimes you can borrow things. Sometimes you can, you realize that the thing that you think you want is not actually the thing that you think that you want. Or maybe there's another way of obtaining it. You know, maybe you get a part-time job doing something, and now you get free access to it.
0: Right. I, you know, I can't stress enough the power of conversation um, with strangers because, for me, when my anxiety first, like you know, it was taking a hold of my life, and that was what ultimately made the shift in my life. Um, I wouldn't have conversation with strangers well, I just moved to a place where I don't know anybody and I have conversations with strangers often. And I'll just giving you guys an example so that next time you're in an elevator or at a pool and you're like, or on the plane and you don't want the person next to you to talk to you, I want to tell you, this is a way that opportunities can be opened up for you. So I'm sitting at my pool one day and, um, have you ever heard, uh, on YouTube, one of the most famous, like way back, it's from like 15 years ago. It's this little lizard called drinking out of cups. Okay. Look at, look at it after. It's just some random thing. It's this lizard and he's like saying random stuff But I used to repeat it often. Like when I was younger and um, this guy at the pool was saying that was saying stuff from that video. And I finished his sentence and he looked at me and that started a conversation with us. Now we had a 25 minute conversation in the pool and he didn't even live in my building. He was a guest, but within that conversation, we started talking about cryptocurrency and I told him, yeah, I put a little bit aside each week Mm -hmm. and he told me about this new coin that you know he had Bitcoin mined way back in the day and he made a lot of money and then he sold it all for this new coin, which ultimately made him like multi-millionaire. And um yeah, I was like, Oh, tell me about the coin. Here's my number, text me, I'll I'll buy a little bit. So he he text me and he said, once you buy it, let me know. And I did. And then he said, Oh, send me your wallet address. I said, Okay, I don't even know why I did that. It probably shouldn't have it was a stranger, <laughs> but who knows? Next thing you know, he's sending me a hundred coins, which equaled like around twelve hundred dollars. At the time, it was eleven dollars a coin. And that was in July. And since then it had gone up to a hundred dollars a coin, you know, a stranger ultimately gave me $10,000, you know, (laughs) and who knows where it will go. I mean, right now it's back down a little, but who knows what if that coin ends up being like a thousand, the next Bitcoin and it's like $50,000 a coin and some, just a conversation, a friendly conversation with a stranger in the pool, which five years ago it probably wouldn't have had because I was too worried or just wanted to be by myself or whatever. Totally opens new doors. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right? 100%.
1: No, I absolutely believe in in talking to strangers. I actually I had something similar happen uh the other day. I I I wrote out a new manifestation thing just this past week. It was like, okay, that worked really well the first time. We're we're going again here like let's this what, what we're going for going forward. And I've been watching, you know, some videos on YouTube about manifestation and one of the things that said that is, you know, you're your manifestations are going to be coming closer when you start having random, you know, interactions with people or somebody from your past resurfaces or somebody's name comes up repeatedly, like be on the lookout for signs like that. And I was cleaning up my wallet yesterday and I found a, or a couple of days, a week ago, found a scrap of paper that had an email address on it, mm. and it was just a person's name, you know, at Gmail. And I was like, for the life of me, I could not remember who this person was or how we met or there was no other information on it. And the only thing I could think of is some guy I met in an Uber that owned this company like in Seattle, like four years ago. Like So I I stick it in my manifestation journal and I just like on a random page and I sleep on it. And the next day I'm like, you know what, maybe this is one of those situations in which I should look into it a little bit further. So I email the the email address. I went, like, please forgive me. I don't know if this piece of paper is like three months or like six years old. I just, I found it in my wallet. Here's a link to my Instagram. Do you by any chance remember how or why we met? And mm-hmm. I get a message back and he goes by a nickname and the the email was his like legal name. So yeah. that's why I was confused. But he was like, yeah, we actually met three weeks ago. Um, at a brewery and I'm an angel investor you wanted to talk with about <gasps> possibly like investing in your company. And I was like, Oh my God. And I opened the book of my manifestation journal to see where I stuck his shut up. Thing. And it yeah. was on the page where I wrote everything that I wanted for the rest of my life. So oh my goodness, you know, I'm, I'm not at a doing anything right now where I need an angel investor, but
0: how, like, how weird is that? It's awesome. I mean, I don't think it's weird at all because that stuff <laughs> happens all the time, all the time. And the more aware we become, the more we realize it. And and then it's just an awesome cycle of, oh, this is a reminder. This is a reminder, you know, of what we're yeah. doing. Except um, literally, you gold coins. That's that's like, right. you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so so, what is it that you do now? Do you want to tell us?
1: Yeah. So I I jokingly call myself a professional tiny houser. Um, I, I help, I work with people. I do one-on-one consultations, uh, to help people navigate tiny house living, understand what the lifestyle is about and how to go about it. It's, it's still so new mm-hmm. that there's just a lot of conflicting information on the internet. Uh, if you, if you try to go tiny, you run into roadblock after roadblock because people still don't know what a tiny house is or how to deal with it. Um, if they do know what it is because it's a new structure so i help people navigate tiny house living i also do a lot of uh writing so copywriting content writing regarding tiny houses and slow living um I like
0: it. yeah that's cool I um do. when <laughs> when i i, I the, another reason i was intrigued to talk to you is when i moved to saint pete from boston um i had lived in my apartment in boston for 10 plus years and uh, I have two older siblings and a mom and we all lived in a dad and they lived up the street, but they would always give me their hand-me-downs and like, and I never bought new through, threw anything out because I'm like, well, when I buy my own place, I'll just buy all new stuff. So I just kept accumulating stuff and accumulating and I had an attic and a basement. So when it was time to move, I couldn't afford to get a moving truck. Um, I just didn't have the money to do any of that. So I just had to pack my car and go. So I literally had to throw out everything and it was such an amazing feeling and now I I am very mindful I don't want any more than what the bare really necessities that I need now because what's the point things don't equal anything it's clutter and then it makes me feel stressed and like you know and I and I've been looking into like van living not for myself but it intrigues me and towny homes and all the things because I'm like I could totally do that at this point yeah you know yeah you
1: you know i say that a tiny house is a house but it's also a lifestyle and you do not need to live in you know 400 square feet or less to to live a tiny house lifestyle and to live more minimally and in a way that's sustainable and where all the pieces are working together like you can you can create that in a regular sized you know apartment or house or or whatever as well so i think that's very cool that that you've had that experience of yeah Kind of down like
0: shedding like so many. I'm like, I had like notebooks from high school. I've been in high school in 20 years. <laughs> like,
1: why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Why? And it causes stress. Like that, those notebooks, like, even if we're not physically looking at them, like it's like a computer program that's running in the background, just slowing everything down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think it comes from a place of fear. We're afraid of what if I need it? What if. I don't know. The internet goes down, and I have to teach
0: high school to kids. Like, what? What do we think is going to happen? Like,
1: <laughs> like why? Why do we? have I had, to- I had do every
0: it. note that anyone ever sent me. Like those little, you know, you would fold them into little triangles. I had like bags and bags of those. Hi, Jamie. What are you doing after school? Like, I think I wanted to keep them for the memory, but really, come on. Like, come on. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you know, I think keeping
1: a couple of those that spark right. that memory. Is is meaningful or is important, but
0: I didn't need all of
1: them. There's definitely a line, and yeah, I think I think a lot of times people are just going so so fast that we don't take the time to pare down, and it's easier to store it and and keep going than it is to stop, evaluate, and and that's something that this house is like. I joke that my house forces me to do stuff like you know, if I, if I buy too much or hang on to too much, my house hits back, like right. I'll triple over stuff. Like it is not fun to live in a tiny house when you, when you hang on to too much, it gets, it gets unfun real, real
0: quick. <laughs> so. Um, so there's a question I like to end with or towards the end um, where not necessarily like, what would you tell yourself to like change the course of your life? But if you could go back and tell your childhood self, Um, give some advice, something that you wish you had known then, or somebody had told you, Um, what would you tell your childhood self?
1: Mm, That's a great question. I, I would tell myself that any spark of um, inspiration or intuition meant something Mm. and, and to follow it at all costs. That it wasn't random that it wasn't frivolous that it wasn't like without meaning um you know I think sometimes we're we're drawn to things all the time and maybe it's a pair of shoes maybe it's a career path maybe it's a person you know maybe it's all of those things at some point or another and I know that when I was younger you know I thought of things like I want to ski during the work week or I want to you know make my own schedule or i want you know and people would say things like oh like yeah if i had a billion dollars i would right. do and i'm like i don't even live close to that you know and and here it is so i think yeah not i would tell myself to to trust that inspiration and um yeah inspiration and and intuition
0: yeah trust it follow it hundred percent lean in, lean into that. Um, cool. Is there anything you want to leave us with any other, uh, you know, things that come up? Um,
1: I just, you know, my, my hope for the world is that everybody has the time, the health, the access, the emotional bandwidth um, to live their highest inspiration. So, I I really hope that if anybody out there is feeling, you know, stuck or trapped or overwhelmed or um, stuck in that same time, money situation uh, that they, they get on the internet and actually do the math and do the research behind, you know, what their lives are costing and, and how much their dreams, you know, what, what actually is involved in in the lifestyle that they want to live and is it as hard as they think it is because
0: um, I think a lot of times it's not yeah I love that all right Alaska who lives in Alaska are you still in Alaska or are you now in I, I live in Colorado now yeah oh Colorado
1: <laughs> but <Yeah>. Alaska
0: from <laughs> from the tiny house concierge I love it thank you so much for um, for joining us yeah absolutely thank you for having me. All right, guys, that was awesome. I I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go uh, live in a tiny house somewhere. But um, all right, so if you want to know more about Alaska and the things that she talked about in this episode, please check the show notes. I have her bio in there and how you can reach her and find more information. And until next time, we will be back soon.